Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled, A Bridge to the Mainland. And joining me from Utah is the author, Veronica Knight. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Jay. Go- I did. You have the opportunity to talk about it. Very good. I, I, this is the 344 pages uh, of fairly uh, lengthy book, at least from my perspective. I'm used to 30 seconds and one minute uh, scripts, so it, it uh, I'm a little prejudicial. But the 344 uh, pages. Is this uh, for the audience's uh, understanding? Is this a fictional work? Is it a non-fictional work? Is it biographical? It's biographical, nonfiction. All right. Uh, very, very, very. And it, it covers your life to this point. I'm, I'm assuming. I haven't read the the last page of your book, but uh, what is the significance of a bridge to the mainland? How did that title come about, and how does it affect the storyline? Okay. Well, Jay, I was just a regular, you know, average housewife like a lot of women, not well-known, like I'm not a celebrity or anyone that someone will say, oh, I want to run out and buy her book. But I want, I know there's something in there for everyone, and it's so important. It's been my life's work. I started when I was writing when I was 37 years old, and I'm now 81. Wow. <laughs> 81. wow. And people would say, well, why, why so long? Well, when I wrote it, it was fresh in my mind. And then I had no happy ending to it, or it didn't seem right at the time for it to be published or bring it out. So I just put it on the shelf, and there it sat for all these years, just collecting dust. Until last year, and someone brought to my attention that the opioid crisis, this was the time. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that's true. It was the time to take it off. And I did have a happy ending. So last year, I took it off the shelf, dusted it off, and started writing again. And um, I wrote so much, I got the rusty in my hands. Uh-huh. My two friends had a putting it into the publisher for me. But what I want to tell you was when I was 35, I was in a very unhappy marriage, um, physically, emotionally, um, every which way abusive. I was just 15 when I met him. Like a lot of young women, you think you know everything about life and you don't know anything. Mm. And I had married to get away from home. My mom and dad broke up. Dad had left when I was 16. And, oh, well, mom just kind of changed. And, you know, some mothers are not meant to be maternal. And I want to share this with the readers, too. They keep wanting things from their parents, not realizing sometimes the parents just don't have it to give. You know, and you have to find your own self. Right. But anyway, I uh, I went to um, a psychiatrist. I kept it a secret. I didn't want anybody to know. Back then, you didn't want to talk about things like that. But I needed someone to talk to. So I went to him, um, kept it a secret, like I said. And um, 
he started giving me medication that made me feel so much better. I didn't mind my home life so much. It didn't bother me. And I did wonderful at my job. I loved my job. I did have a high-powered position at that time for a woman. I was in management at a, uh, a company, a textile company in Greensboro, North Carolina. And um, anyway, that, what the doctors at this hospital were interested in, oh, let me tell you, when I realized that I was addicted to these opioids, scared me to death. I had to have them. I had to. And when I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, if I had to steal them, I would steal them. That's how desperate I was wow. when I couldn't get my doctor it was bad and so I called my gynecologist the very next day and he was shocked and angry with me that I had kept it a secret going to this other doctor and that I was now addicted and he sent me to a, a doctor down at uh, this major hospital in the south very well known and they were interested in my case and took me on as a case history which meant they weren't going to charge me anything. Amazing. And they would see me as, yeah, it was amazing. I thought, what a blessing. I was so grateful, and I could not even believe it. But I stayed there for six weeks, and I had private counseling and group counseling. And this is what the doctor said to me there. They said, Patty, Veronica, <laughs> Veronica is my other name, you need to write a book and share this with other people that can't afford to get this help. And this is what I felt like was my life's work that I needed to write this book. I mean, Jay, honestly, anybody that reads this book is going to find themselves in it. I know they are because I talk about the patients that came into the hospital with real physical ailments, but it was stemmed to emotional, emotional ailments that or things they didn't deal with from their childhood. Mm. You know, back then you didn't talk about it, but now people are more aware of what you experience as a young child. You know, if it's a negative thing, it's going to color your whole life. Right. It's going to have a big impact what your decisions are. And, and so I learned all this. So when we learn to understand ourselves, you know, and what makes us tick, and why we react in ways that we do, we can we can handle it better. We can live life in a more contented and free way, you know, and to know that nobody or nothing has control of us. We have control of our own lives. Well, that's positive. And that's what's so and this this is what, and I promise you, you know what's different about my book, it's getting exciting just talking about it. But <laughs> what's different is people that have read it and a lot of these people that are giving me reviews, I don't know them. They're not friends. I mean, I don't know them who wrote the reviews, but I got a 5.0 review Incredible. from everybody. Hmm. But what I do different is I express emotions. I talk about things that people don't talk about. They might think it, but they won't verbalize it. They won't say it or even admit it to themselves. This is what the readers have told me in the the people that I know um, that have told me what the feedback that they, I drew them into the book. They it, felt like they were, and they didn't want to put the book down because 
they could relate to it when I talk about feelings. Yeah, it's done in and a con- very, yeah very conversational style, the way you've approached uh, your story, for sure. It starts off in Florida. Is that uh, the beginning of your book? No, no, it wasn't none in Florida. It was in, um, in North Carolina. North Carolina. That's, that's the beginning. Yeah, that's the beginning. I had moved out west, but I flew back there um, to write on the book. I stayed at the, right across the street from the hospital because what I wrote had to be accurate because I'm quoting the doctors and the patients and the medical staff. And I couldn't say anything that wasn't true. It had to be true. And so I would write all night long, go over the next day, and they would read what I wrote, you know, and verify it. Actually, last October, the doctor that I had back in 1975, she came out to visit me. <laughs> I could not believe she did this. Wow. But she did. She visited for a week, and she wanted to read the manuscript before it went to the printer. And she did not. She sat up all night reading it, and she did not change a word. And she said it brought her back to way back then, too, you know, reminiscing of the patients. And I, it was it was accurate. So they, they've uh, documented it for me. And um, anyway, there's a lot of valuable information there for the readers in so many ways. And I just hope they will give it a try. And I just know they're going to love it. You've, and, de- um, you've, de- you've described your, your early early life also as maybe not in poverty, but certainly you didn't come from a, a wealthy home, and that had an impact on your mental state as you got older. Would that be a good way to describe that? Well, uh, Dad was struggling when we were kids. Before They were so young. Dad and Mom were 15 and 16 when they married. Oh, my. After he left Mom, he left for a younger woman. But... Um, Anyway, he, when he went to he won an airplane of all things on the Arthur Godfrey show. An wow. airplane. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. And so um, he started his own airplane business in Florida and was highly successful. Had an airport and a manufacturing for Pratt Whitney and machine engines. So he did quite well. Um, but that was after, you know, he left my mom and his other life. But we had a good relationship with him then. But while we were at home, it was very dysfunctional. Mom and dad were so young, and my mom had four children by the time she was 21 years old. Wow. They didn't know. You know, a mom was not a maternal figure. Um, we loved her very much, but we didn't always get what we wanted from her or dad either for that. They loved us. I mean, dad especially um loved us but he he left you know but it's all right because we understood as we become adults we understand you know and um a lot of us go through that a lot especially now in this mm-hmm. day and age divorce is quite common very common you know and just it's just you know the important thing is for us to understand ourselves and not feel like we have to get approval from other people to make us feel good you know, we have to know our own worth. That is so important. Absolutely. I was controlled by my parents, especially uh, up until adulthood. When I finally broke away, I was like 30, 35, 37 when I broke away from her. Incredible. It was quite, quite traumatic. And, uh, but the thing is, I would do anything she wanted me to do, and I would never talk back to her, even as an adult, or disagree. Because I learned as a child not to, and none of us 
well, my sisters and my brother too, none of us stood up to her. But when I did, it it was, it was quite ugly. It was quite ugly when I did stand up to her. I I just spoke to her, but you know, I just got a hard slap across the face when I was 35 years old. Oh boy. Oh boy. There was uh, alcohol also in your family. Uh, Did that have an impact on, on the reasons that you became addictive in your personality? Well, I became addicted to prescribing that I wasn't, I never did like drinks, so it wasn't alcohol for me. It was the pills. Uh, But same, same, I believe, you know, pretty much the same. My mother uh, became very much an alcoholic after my dad left. There was alcohol in our family, uh, mom and dad, but I think it was just more social until dad left, and then mom became an alcoholic. But she brought in people that were undesirable into our lives as children, and that was very hard for us to take. My brother was sent off to live with grandparents, and my sister was sent off to live with another set of grandparents. So we all splintered, you know, all broke up. Um, and it's, a lot of families go through this, and I just want to reach out to them and tell them, oh, I wish I could talk to them all, and that's impossible, but this radio interview might help. Absolutely. Because your person just know themselves and what they can do, what they're capable of, and not rely on somebody else. Listeners, uh, this is a 344-page read, and Veronica has shared her her intimate details of growing up in a very tough environment in some ways, but I think at the end of it, I, I believe you'll come away not only inspired, but also motivated, perhaps, to, uh, to look at life in a positive way. Would that be a, an observation that you would uh, you would pass along, Veronica? I would. And also, uh, you know, the big thing is change here. Change is scary. But I encourage them to make that change for the better because thinking about it is worse than actually doing it. I did I did just pack up and run away. My youngest with me and just left because it became unbearable. A new life for myself. And you can do it too. The readers can do it. It is possible. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we lost a signal for a moment, but uh, you were commenting about how, how important your doctor was in your recovery and the journey that you took. This doctor, she stayed with me all of these years. Um, from the marriage, I came away with a post-traumatic stress syndrome. Right. I would have nightmares when I was screaming, thinking my husband, you know, was harming me, ex-husband, ex-husband, and... Um, she was always there to help me, and finally I got rid of those nightmares with her help and with God's help, too. I know that without a doubt because he put her in my life to help me, you know, get on the right path. And I'm just so grateful because I don't think I'd be here today um, if I did not get that help. Well, we're grateful and, that you're uh, here for sure and sharing your story, the uh, title of which is A Bridge to the Mainland. And my guest author, Veronica Knight. Veronica, where can we get copies of your book? Well, right now it's on Amazon.com and in Barnes and Nobles. It's available for purchase. They're not in the bookstores yet, but I hope they will be. I hope so someday. Absolutely. Well, they can. 
They can request it under your name, too, Veronica, K-N-I-G-H-T, Veronica Knight, and uh, find this yeah. book, A Bridge to the Mainland. You, you mentioned that you have uh, been writing off and on for a while. Is this the only book that you've published to date? Uh, is there something else in the future? You know, I did do one about 12 years ago, and it's been uh, redone. The third publication is being done now. But it's just a cute little humorous book about hummingbirds. (laughs) (laughs) It's called A Hummingbird Miracle, where this little ethnic book, A Hummingbird Miracle, where this little this little bird, five years in a row, she comes and she builds her nest in the same tree on the same limb. She comes back every year and rebuilds it and uh, has two eggs, and then they hatch, and then she's teaching them everything and protecting them. And I just put what the birds, what I imagine the birds are saying to each other, you know, <laughs> below each photograph that I took. Well, it sounds, delight- it sounds delightful. Again, this book is titled A Bridge to the Mainland. My guest author, Veronica Knight. Veronica, thank you for being bold enough to share your life history in this book and sharing it in 344 pages. So there's a lot of detail in here. But uh, from looking at it, it's a very conversational style, almost like a novel, uh, a fictional work. But it is really your life uh, on display and shared in writing. Thank you for being a part of today's program. Thank you, Jay. My My pleasure. pleasure. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.